Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. Today, I am joined by Mark LeMay, owner of AutoAid. AutoAid develops and delivers technical training courses for the automotive aftermarket. Thanks, Mark, for coming on the program today. Hey, no problem. Glad to be here. So for those who haven't met you or don't know too much about you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, why you got into this industry? I grew up around cars, loved them, wanted to be a mechanic since as long as I can remember. I was licensed in 1984, had my red seal. I worked in the industry pretty much throughout my whole career. And then in 2000, I started my company, AutoAid. And the very quickly, the basis for it was I kept getting calls from garages to go out and troubleshoot cars for them. So I started my business in 2000 doing just that. I, I went out and I bought a truck, put all my tools in it, and I just went door to door troubleshooting for other shops. That business is still alive today, brings in over probably about 30% of our income. 2002, I got into the training business, started out working for CarQuest. Then about a year and a half, I branched out. We now write, develop, present, and broadcast all of our own content. It's 100% ours. And then about five years ago, a friend of mine, Ron Brown, decided it was time for him to retire. So I, I bought his tooling equipment business, and we focused mainly on diagnostic equipment. We don't sell really hand tools or that kind of stuff. It's all diagnostic equipment. It sounds, that's a very interesting story, very kind of humble beginnings, if you will, and you sort of fell into it. But it sounds like you made yeah. something great for yourself. Yeah, I have no complaints. It's uh, provided me with a with a decent living. I'm not rich, but I'm not begging either. <laughs> and you're doing what you love. That's the most important. Yeah, I still love it. I mean, it still feels great today. I mean, we have cars coming to us. We have about 250 shops that we service, now including some dealerships. It's kind of nice to be able to figure these cars out. We do not do any repair. We're strictly in the troubleshooting business, so... We figure out what's wrong with them, let them know, and then but we're pretty much done with the car. We don't ever, we, we hardly ever see the car after it's repaired. All of that goes into our training business. So all of our training programs, they're, they're all built around sort of real-life scenarios. And I think it's one of the things that sets our training apart from just about everybody else because we do a lot of testing on our own. I have a customer of mine that lends me cars so that we can sort of experiment on them. So we develop a lot of our own testing techniques, that sort of stuff. And that's the stuff that we teach in our training programs. We cover system operation as well, but we take our, our training as well beyond that. We show these guys how to really troubleshoot it. Right. It's more of a hands-on approach as opposed to like more, more of an academic approach. That's right. Now, going into the training a little bit more. Now, obviously, with the whole COVID thing, training has taken the shape of primarily online methodology. Now, why do you think a lot of techs aren't as enthusiastic about online training? First of all, training in our industry has been delivered in person since day one. I can remember in my early 20s sitting in a cold garage and guys like Glenn McNally would come around and literally do training in the shop. And then that kind of progressed into PowerPoint, that kind of stuff, which is the way most of us delivered. But it was always done in person. The guys got used to that. They would come out. It would be an evening. They'd go out and come out, have a meal or whatever, sit down. The training course would take place afterwards. There would be a lot of camaraderie with their buddies and that kind of stuff. And, and that was, you know, I think they kind of looked forward to that evening. 
Yeah, it's kind of a human element involved in the training. Like I would finish up around 9 or 9.30 and I wouldn't get out of the venue until, you know, an hour, hour and a half later because these guys want to sit around and talk. The online stuff doesn't have that. With the online stuff, they're not used to it. Don't get me wrong, online training's been around for a long time, but it hasn't really caught on because it had all this other stuff going on. Now, the only way you can deliver training right now pretty much is online. They've been somewhat forced into it. I think some were kind of waiting, thinking this COVID thing was going to go away reasonably quick and that they would go back to the other. Even those guys now are starting to realize, I think, that this is the way we're going to be doing training into the foreseeable future. So if they want training, they're going to have to join up. I think a lot of us had that similar mentality. It was kind of a wishful thinking scenario, thinking, you know, maybe COVID won't hang around that long, but seems to be doing a pretty good job of sticking in there. For us, it's changed our whole training model. We were delivering 5% of it hands-on. We have a training center here in Barrie where we bring in really small groups and do really focused hands-on training. But the bulk of our training has always been in person. Now everything is pretty much online. And personally, I don't think we're going to go back in-person training in any big way, even when this is over. I agree. It's shifted our whole landscape and how business is done, how everything's done, really. With that in mind... What do you think the industry, the training industry, or the aftermarket industry in general can do to improve the online training tools available now? Obviously, you said it's been so cornered into an in-person thing that people are having to adapt now. They're having to shift everything online. Like you said, it's probably not going back. And if it does, it's not going to be the same. So obviously, these online programs that may have been lagging behind before are going to have to get up to speed. What do you think that we can do to help that along? The biggest thing is, is getting the word out. A lot of technicians, the only way they get any notice that the training is going on is when the sales guys come around. Typically what happens is the sales guy will come into his weekly or bi-weekly tour of the shop, replenish their stock and stuff. And if there's a training program coming on, he will typically hand that off to the owner or manager. A lot of times it doesn't get to the guy at the back. And if the owner is, isn't a pro training or, or whatever, doesn't like the course or whatever, it kind of ends there. What we really need to do is get to the technician and then need to encourage the technicians to come out. Yeah, then, sort of creating a more direct line. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, that was a problem with in-person training as well. The participation, even with in-person training, was never good. So it's kind of a perpetual problem just with a different face now, I suppose. Same problem in a different venue. The vast majority of technicians don't train. I don't know how the industry gets around that because typically we've done some surveys and trying to compile some numbers on how many technicians actually take training. And I'll give you an example. I, I live in Barrie. There's about 1,500 technicians. On a good night, we might get 40 or 50 up for training. Okay, so what are the other 1,400 doing? Probably having a beer or two. That's exactly right. And that was when it was in person. Well, on the topic of a lack of training, a lot of our readers and our listeners, we've been noticing they were having increased commentary around a lack of beneficial training for techs fresh out of school. So when a prospective technician goes into a trade program or college, it seems like most of their day is centered around learning. And then it kind of just stops right when you enter the workforce. What's your take on that? Uh, a couple of things. First of all, the, the training programs in the colleges are inadequate. These guys come out of there. I work with some college instructors. I actually have them take our classes so they can brush up on their skill. What the guys are being taught isn't adequate for what happens when they get back to the shop. They're not prepared. They're not learning this stuff in the right way. What they're being taught to do on the cars doesn't work very well. Aside from the straight mechanical stuff, 
just to be clear here, what the colleges are doing, teaching these guys on basic engine, brakes, hydraulics, that kind of stuff, that's working very well. But what they're teaching them about electrical, electrical troubleshooting, and diagnostics in general isn't working. Do you think part of that might be because cars are evolving so quickly, it's, it might be tough for an educational system to keep up? No question. The, the curriculum of colleges is at least 10 years out of date. Yeah, and it's one of those problems that's not going to solve itself because of the rapid advancements from the OEMs. The other thing that happens is after these guys come out, there's no requirement for them to ever take training again. What happened is you can graduate, get your license, never have to step foot in another classroom as long as you live. Yeah, I'm wondering if a solution to that might be the mandation of professional development hours, similar to like an accounting or a law degree. Two things need to happen. Number one, I think the industry itself needs to set up some kind of a council to manage the technician. I think we can do that ourselves. The electricians do that. They have their own sector council. Yeah, you're absolutely and right. The yeah. second thing we need to do is, in addition to the apprenticeship program, we need to start mentoring these guys. You've got a lot of guys that are like me. I'm 61. I've got 40 years worth of experience. When I retire, that's going with me. Guys that are that are very proficient in this industry need to be passing that knowledge on to the younger guys. So there needs to be some sort of a mentoring system in place. I think that's a really good idea. Maybe hard to implement, but I think that's where the solution lies. The other thing that happen is somebody needs to be managing the apprentices. When an apprentice gets hired on at a shop, there's no supervision of that technician that ensures that he's getting the on-the-job training that he requires. You've got a, a, an apprentice that comes in, they teach them how to do oil changes and stuff like that, and for the next two years, that guy may, may do nothing but oil changes. That's not really developing the technician. A well-rounded knowledge. But there's no mechanism in place to ensure that that happens. These guys come in, they'll do their level one, and then they'll come back for level two. They've forgotten everything from level one because back at the shop, they're doing tires and oil changes and stuff. It reminds me of going from grade 10 math class into grade 11. They forgot all the basics. But what, what needs to happen is there needs to be somebody checking on these guys and saying, are you getting this? No, Mark, that just about takes us. Um, I do have one final fun question for you. If you had to name your all-time favorite car, what would that be and why? This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.